This is Murder Scotland, a podcast that looks at famous and not so famous murders that happened in Scotland or were committed by people with a connection to Scotland. We'll just see how tenuous we can get. My name is Julie Lamont. Me and my co-host Alan Nicholl will look at these crimes with 21st century eyes and discuss, are they really what we thought they were? This episode is called Loch Oh. This is the final episode of this series. For this episode, we went out to Loch Oh. What we were looking for at Loch Oh was the place where Paddy Meehan, we know Paddy Meehan, had dumped cars. The reason that we wanted to see where Paddy Meehan dumped cars was because it was apparently a well-known car dumping site. It was supposed to be a place on the edge of the loch where you could push a car in and the car would immediately drop 300 feet to the deepest parts of the loch. We at no point thought that we would arrive at the loch, find the slipway, look down and be able to see the car through the water. The reason that we wanted to go and find the exact spot was we thought if we found the spot, we could share the pin with all of you that have been listening. So if you're ever in Loch Awe, you could stop by and have a look yourselves. We also thought this would help narrow it down for the police, potentially. We also thought maybe there's people out there that are divers that would be interested in diving this site and seeing if they could find it. I even looked into an aquatic drone at one point, but 300 feet is really far down. (laughs) And it kind of ended up being very, very expensive. The book that I'm reading for when we arrive at local is called Presumption of Innocence and is written by the journalist Ludovic Kennedy. And Ludovic Kennedy had interviewed Paddy Wien and his associates and narrowed this placement down from them. They give him a very, very specific description about where not only them but other gangsters had dumped cars in Loho. We start off with a quick Q&A session in the car. We did have a microphone in the car, so there is background noise. Apologise for that. But you will hear the Q&A and then we follow up with our adventure around Loch Awe looking for this particular site. So have a wee listen and I hope you enjoy. So we're on our way to Loch Awe and it's quite a long journey so I thought I'd take this opportunity to do a Q&A because we have had some questions in about the podcast and things we've been doing with it and I've got Alan imprisoned in the car for at least another hour so this is a good use of that time so first question is from matt in california he says he likes the podcast he listens while he's driving so can alan please get closer to the microphone and me further away so he can put it up louder and hear all the details (laughs) yes we can do that Um, (laughs) i've got my hands on the steering wheel so I can't do very much. <laughs> yeah, it's me operating the mic today, so I, the mic will be right up in Alan's face <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, actually, I mean, it's a good point. It, it's our first time doing a podcast, um, and it, we have had a bit of a learning curve about the equipment and the editing and all that kind of thing, and I feel like the more we're doing it, the better we're getting at it. So hopefully, Matt, you'll be able to hear the later episodes a lot better than the initial ones question number two comes from Paige in Atlanta what did the families of the victims think happened to their loved ones did they subscribe to the single serial killer theory that it was Bible John 
You know, I, there's not much feedback because the family obviously had to, to grieve about what had happened to their, their daughter or their mother or indeed, you know, their wife. But uh, I don't think they'd be that bothered about whether it was one killer or whether it was individual killers, mainly because I think they were just looking for justice. Was it the son of... Helen Puttock. Yeah, Helen Puttock. Helen Puttock. He apparently, according to one of the uh, tabloids, flew back to Scotland from Canada, where he lives, and the, the idea, I think, being that he was interested to find out who the killer of his mother was in 1969 and I suspect that's probably just down to him seeking justice rather than finding out if a Bible John existed or not yeah. That's a good question though Okay, next question from Laurie from Glasgow Was it an easy way out for the police to create Bible John rather than like investigating three separate murders? Well, I don't think the police created Bible John. I think that was the press that created Bible John. I think the police went along with it because it suited their inquiry by keeping it in the public mind. And of course, the the Daily Record and you know tabloid press were uh, fully behind the idea. It was one maniac who was going about quoting the Bible, going to the Barrowland, um, all this sort of stuff, and. Uh, I don't think the police ultimately actually believed it was just the one uh, serial killer who was in the go. And indeed, that's our reason for going to Lochaw today to perhaps um, debunk the idea that there was somebody called Bible John. Yeah, I cynically think that they just jumped on that bandwagon and they were like, woohoo, let's go on a junket and go around every. <laughs> Every golf course in Scotland's on the taxpayers' money, <laughs> but I'm pretty cynical. Yeah, I'm not quite as cynical about it because I think they they were obliged to follow up every single lead that they could get, and of course with Jeannie being in the taxi beside this guy, who ultimately must have been responsible for murdering Helen Puttock, then they had a lot to go on, and of course that's the reason I think they went round all the. Um, the tailors, the hairdressers and the um, the golf courses in Scotland. Alison in Bears Den wanted to know, did we think that it was likely that the police could ever search Lochaw again? And have we suggested to the police to do so? I think as technology improves there's a chance that the police might be able to um, retrospectively try and prove some, some crimes including um, the murder of uh, Archie McGeehy whether they are prepared to do that with the resources they have is another matter I have suggested that to serving police officers but nobody seems to that, that interested and my view was if they're prepared to meet the expense of exhuming John McInnes, then they should follow it through by checking Lochaw for all the cars that are down there, and they'll undoubtedly discover the car that was left there from the Paddy Mean era. Certainly there were at least two that were pushed in there uh, by Griffiths. Sarah from Amsterdam wanted to know, why are there so many serial killers from Scotland? What's going wrong in Scotland? 
I did a wee bit of background research and there's between 34 to 47 serial killers in the UK as a whole and at least nine of those came from Scotland. The 34 end of the scale didn't have every serial killer that I'm aware of so I think that's definitely wrong. I think it has to be more up towards the 47 end. Um, But the nine from Scotland definitely was correct. The percentage of the population in Scotland is roughly about 10% of the UK. So the idea that we have possibly a fifth of the the serial killers, if not more, it is... Yeah, she's right. There's something strange going on in Scotland. I really don't know the answer to that. Um, Apart from, I think, it's disproportionately a larger um, amount of serial killers from Scotland or have Scottish backgrounds. Um, maybe there was something to do with being a violent society at one time. I think things have changed to some extent. I'm not sure that, uh, well, I, I think maybe at one point Scotland uh, was the sort of main place for serial killers as a proportion of the population. Um, I think America might have overtaken us now with all the gun violence. And uh, I suspect that the factors that led to so many serial killers being Scottish may have um, also changed. And Sarah had a, a follow-up question, which was, what's the next murder that we're going to look into? And she has asked if we can do Willie McRae. Yeah, that's always been an interesting one. I think if we do uh, Willie McRae, then it's really not a murder as such. It's never been seen as a murder. And some people, I think, regarded it as a suicide. But it's one of these ones that's not going to go away. A bit like Bible John, because people have, do not know the answer. Just to remind you, Matt from California is listening in his car right now, so we need to explain who Willie McRae is, <laughs> I think, to get a bit of background on that one. Willie McRae was a solicitor. Um, there's a solicitor's firm called Levy and McRae, he was one of the original partners, which is in Glasgow. He was also a Scottish nationalist, and he was also gay. Um, so when the murder was investigated, they found, you know, they checked out his background in all respects, because when this happened all those years ago, then being gay was probably a factor in, um, you know, the social side of, of his life just in case somebody had a grudge against him. But I think when they investigated the murder, the people who were also fellow nationalists um, were inclined to the view that it was some some dirty tricks department from MI5 or whatever. I don't think there's any great evidence of that. But the circumstances of the murder are such that it's still a mystery. He, he was found in his car... And he was found with a gunshot wound on the like right-hand side of his head. The car windows were up when he was found, um, and his hands were crossed, and the gun was found in uh, what we call a burn, which is a stream like outside of the car, um, so not close to where he was. And when he was found, he was still alive. It, he, one pupil was seriously dilated so he had clear and obvious brain damage sort of straight off the bat and so I think one of the big mysteries is if he committed suicide like the the police thought how did the gun walk into the local burn 
Yeah, it's, it's a real puzzle. And I think recently there's more, more interest in the case because um, people have been uh, re-interviewed about it. And I think some discrepancies from the original inquiry might have emerged. So it's definitely worth looking into. Yeah, definitely think it's one that we should do in the future. But it's not the next one we're doing. The next one we're planning on doing is dum dum dum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're talking about doing Robert Black because he was a well-known serial killer who travelled around the country. The story is is quite horrific because it was all young girls, and he was captured when he was in a small town in the borders, the Scottish borders. And one of the neighbours was cutting his grass. Black's van pulled up and a little girl was walking along the street. The neighbour noticed that the girl didn't reappear from the other side of the van. He then stopped cutting his grass. He ran out. He he phoned the police. And as I understand it, I, I might be corrected in this, but the little girl's father was a policeman and he discovered his own little girl in a sack in the back of Robert Black's van. Oh my God. So it's, it's quite quite dramatic, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not super into like, doing the, the child murder ones, and I feel like these pricks shouldn't get any more like, attention than they currently have, but there's a bit more of a mystery element to it because there's, there's another murder that you think might be wrongly attributed and might have been a Robert Black. We don't have to get into details now, but... I think that's kind of worth mentioning why why we were thinking about doing Robert Black. Yeah, I think so. There's there's some disquiet about a, a case um, involving the murder of Pamela Hasty in the 1980s in Johnson in the west of Scotland. There was a guy called Raymond Gilmore was convicted of it. There's a lot of disquiet about it because I think those who maintain that Gilmore was innocent are able to show that Robert Black was in the area round about that time and Pamela Hasty I think was like 14 or 15 I might be wrong you know it's it certainly fits in with the the travels and that's how they proved a lot of the case a lot of the murders against Robert Black because they're able to show his his a business had taken him to where the murders had happened and that was in England Scotland and indeed in Ireland as well I think so definitely think that that's going to be the next one that we do and probably it'll take us a few weeks to get on top of that so keep tuned for that one. Right, that's us coming up to local. Oh it, it looks really nice. It's been a lovely day which is totally surprising. It's it's like hot sunshine. I'd like to say that it's dark thunderclouds and an ominous presence but the actual reality is it looks like a picture postcard. It's lovely and green and bright sunshine. And Lochal looks really pretty with little islands out in the middle. Yeah, we're coming up as well to Colhurn Castle, which is a real chocolate box type image. It's the one that all the tourists go crazy for, which is at the one end of Lochal. But then any time I've been here before this, it is dark and foreboding rather than <laughs> very, very bright and welcoming. Typical us. The one day that there's some sunshine <laughs> is the day that we come along. But yeah, it, looks, it does look lovely today. So we're at the local hotel. We pulled in and it appears to be like abandoned, which is the only spooky thing that's happening today because it's a tropical paradise for the first time ever in Scotland. 
We're having a beautiful tropical paradise day. I've taken some photos and we'll stick them on the website so you can see what Loch all looks like. But rather than the dark foreboding place we're expecting, it's um, it's gorgeous, isn't it? It's just... <laughs> First day I've ever seen any sunshine over Loch so we're outside the the abandoned, apparently abandoned local hotel, and we just thought we'd read exactly where they suggested that the car was dumped. It says there's an ideal place at Loco between Dalmally and Tainal, a place where the road ran between high ground on one side and deep water on the other. This is where Paddy Meehan had dumped cars. Um, he said. It's between three to five miles from the Loch Hotel near an old pump where there is a gap in the fence. So here we are at Loch Hotel. So now we have to work out three to five miles. You think the pump's gone? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's all gone since the 60s. And in fact, I think I know where the, the place was. It was like a, a natural slipway into the loch itself. And uh, even that's been sort of... Uh, change now and I've just got a crash barrier along one side of the loch but what we can do is we can drive along we'll go three miles and see how it looks and I'll see if it tallies with my recollection of where I think it happened. Cool, let's go find it and then take some non non-onymous pictures where it's <laughs> tropical sunshine tiki huts in the background <laughs> <laughs> And what we can do is, you know, without holding the traffic up, we can drive by it and then just double back and come back along here. Okay. Just to, to reinforce, see whether you agree that it's the most likely spot. Okay. Yeah, because there isn't anywhere to park, is there? No, there's <laughs> I love that we're, we've driven all this way and we're just going to do a drive by. <laughs> I'll hang out the window and see if I can see any cars in the lock. <laughs> I mean, there's there's loads of places you could dump. I mean, if if these crash barriers weren't up in the sixties, uh, yeah, there's loads of places you could just push a car in. Yeah, that's three miles from one. Right. What what does it mean when it says that there's a pump? I'm not exactly sure. I can only imagine it means a water pump of some kind, um, but it's long gone now. Yeah. Oh my god, this is where the Hollow Mountain is. Yes, it's just along here, right? That's crazy. The Hollow Mountain is um, a power station. It's like a mountain that they've put a, a power station inside, a hydroelectric power station. And it's something that you're pretty much forced to come and visit as a child when you grow up in Scotland. They've, they've got uh, how many days since their last accident on the crew? 6,402 days since we last had an accident. Is that, is that something to crow about? 6,402 days. That's amazing. And they've put it up at the side of the road. <laughs> Look at us. 6,000 days since someone died here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Would this road have been like this in the 60s? No. Right, so this is all completely new. This is all new. Yes. Has it been more than five miles now, you think? No, that's, that's three. Up to four, I think. I'm imagining doing this at night in the 1960s 
like in 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 your car coat because it's cold in your car in the winter must have been absolute Baltic and then and then when you get up here like I guess they must have had two cars come up ditch the car and then go back in the other one so it's, it's before this yeah see so what you th- you think we've gone past the point I think we must have because this is just the, the river side Oh, and it was the walk. It needs to be into the walk. Okay, so we can turn around and go back then. Now it's more difficult to see um, because of the crash barrier. It's quite... It's Well, at one point it was really obvious where it was. Now it seems to be more disguised because of the road improvements. We're now doubling back, sort of going back uh, sort of south, as it were. And... um, We'll just have to keep our eyes open for the, the, the gap that used to be there. So we drove up and down the side of Loch Awe several times. There was no obvious sign of the slipway, but there was obviously new bits of road, um, and particularly around the Kruchen, the Hollow Mountain. So we went back to the Hollow Mountain Visitor Centre because you can... There's like a little play park you can walk around and there's a little restaurant and a, and a shop. We thought we it's a good place for us to stop and have a look at the depth of the water there and narrow that piece of the road out. So we've just left the Kruken Hollow Mountain Visitor Centre, which definitely isn't where it was because it was definitely too shallow around here. Yes, yes. But they do do a good bowl of soup. So it wasn't a wasted journey. No, it <laughs> and then we're just going to head back along the road and see if we can see where the slipway was. Right, so at this point we decide to apply some logic to the situation. We've had our soup. We're a bit more geared up to do this rather than just randomly driving up and down and looking at the window and trying to find the spot. We decided that we would work out where it could be. But because between the Lochaw Hotel and Ben Kruchen, it has to be between those two points. Anything further on than Kruchen is really taking you further down towards the river side of the loch rather than the loch loch. It seems to be a lot shallower around the Kruchen. So we think it has to be before that point. Train was underneath here. Right. Okay. All right. So. So it's, it under, has to it's be along here on the left. Between here and the Kruachan. Yeah. Okay. Right. There's the train line on the right-hand side. Uh-huh. So now, yeah. Okay. So we're narrowing it down. That's. Yeah, that's yeah. good. It's got to be along here on the left somewhere. Can't be here because you just push a car and it gets stuck. Uh huh. I wonder if what's happened is this new bit of road before we hit uh, Kruken. Um, you think there's anything? Don't you see that? That was the bit. That was the only bit I could see. Uh-huh, I think, yeah, yeah. Because now there's like embankment and then there's like a sort of little beach, so it's uh-huh. not super deep. 
could be here though, could be, right? Could be, yes. And you think the slipway is gone now completely? I think it has because you, it was visible from from the road as you were travelling towards Tainault. So as you can imagine, the audio goes on like that for quite a while because we are we did drive up and down several times trying to work out where it couldn't be. So we started by thinking it can't be anywhere where if we are driving towards the Kruchen, anywhere where there's train line on the left-hand side because that train was there in the 1960s. So it has to be after the point that the train line crosses under the road to the right-hand side. It also can't be anywhere beyond the Kruchen because as, as I mentioned before, the lock is a lot shallower around there. So narrowing it down from those two points there's there's quite a few little like inlets of land there's lots of places where there's like a natural small beach um we worked out that we we think is probably most likely around um a lay-by which we stopped at and had a look so you'll hear what we say in a second right anything coming no quick run run <laughs> Oh yeah, this could, you could chuck a car off it, mind you, mind you, you would need a slipway, you definitely would need a slipway because, because there's, it's rocky, it's rocky at the bottom. Yeah, it is, isn't it, and if you put a car in, Yeah, there's no guarantee it would sink. This was definitely, I thought this was definitely like the best... But then you wouldn't get a car over there, would you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it goes deep really fast. But you're, uh, if anything, I think this adds to your theory that that it was whatever this slipway used to be, because there's no bit of the lock that we've seen that doesn't have at least some rocks at the bottom that you couldn't fling a car over these. No, you couldn't. There's no way you could get a car over here. So it's definitely been amended. The road has been changed yeah. um, and we'll make efforts to find out when it was changed, what was there before, because as I say from memory, driving by here many times, um, there was a, a bit that was obvious that you could slip a car into the lock and it would go really deep. And it, I mean, it does go really deep. You can see it just it is black. I'll take some pictures so that people can see and understand what we're looking at. I wonder if I climb down a bit, if I could see like further along the edge of the wall. No, it's not worth it. I don't think so. <laughs> I th I, honestly, I think it's it's been changed so much that it's obviously the road alterations have, have changed it totally. I, these rocks don't seem like they're natural. Like, this seems like this is rubble f to build the road up. Oh, yeah, maybe you're right. Uh -huh. Because there's not... The, like, there's, there's plants growing at the top, but here at the bottom... Uh-huh. There's not plants growing on these rocks, so I, I feel like... Yeah, yeah. This isn't a natural... Yeah, it's sort of fortifying the road sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, to hold the road up, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think I'm to agree with you. I think it looks as if it's, you know, they've bolstered the road in some way. 
which also explained why the slipway is not here because you can't, it's not easy to just get rid of a concrete slipway. No, right? it's not. And it's pointless smashing it up for no reason. But if they put loads of rocks on one side of the road to keep the road from, uh, falling yeah, into from the lock, crumbling, I suppose. Yeah, then yeah. it could be covering the slipway. It could easily uh-huh. have been. Yeah, yeah. I definitely didn't imagine it. I can guarantee it. It's all right. I know you're not senile yet. I'll tell you when I think you're senile. Yeah. <laughs> That's my thing on the way home. <laughs> it might be worth um, pulling into the, the guy who runs the boat place across oh, the loch. And asking him. And see if he remembers anything like that. Right. Depends how long he's owned the, the company for, but yeah, certainly if it's been more than five years, he'll know about it. All right, cool. Okay. All right, let's go and try it. So off we went to the boatyard to see if we could find somebody there that could give us an indication of where the slipway might have been, but also where the deepest parts of the loch are. Right, so we're just at Loch all boats and there was no one here. <laughs> we, drove, we drove all the way down to ask because we thought it's worth asking firstly if anybody knows where this um, slipway or jetty might have been and if the roads changed in that section but also which parts of the loch are the deepest like we thought maybe there'd be somebody here no anyway we got here and I would say everybody here looks younger than 40 (laughs) so probably they're not the right people to ask I mean there's a couple of old people but they they don't look like they live here they look like they're coming down with their boat for the weekend there was an old map on the wall. We had a look. We're thinking maybe it will show up on some older maps. We can like actually narrow down to the exact location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't to be. We'll have to do it some other way. Yeah. But we have narrowed it down to, I would say, a mile max. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it has to be around one of those two laybys we were at. Uh-huh. And it, I definitely think that the road has to have changed because the rubble that was at the side just it just didn't look like it's always been there. Yeah, I think that's right. When you look at it, it looks as if it's sort of shoring up the road. I've got to say your dedication to um, finding this slipway was quite impressive because there's at one point Alan was suggesting that we hired a boat if Loch Boats was open and went out to find the slipway ourselves in the boat so we were really unlucky we couldn't find the slipway but we do think that's because there's been new road put on top of older road we also couldn't find anybody at the boatyard that could help us Um, I did get a picture of their map on their wall of the loch and I will highlight where we think on the map this slipway would have been in the past. Alan is purchasing some vintage maps so if we get a slipway on any of those we will definitely update you. Alan's also writing to the local council to see if they've got any information about where it was so that if we get that info we can share with you as well. So it wasn't the ending we were envisaging. 
Um, but we will keep looking into it and if we do get any more info we will update you. Meanwhile we finished up the conversation about um, Bible John and where we both thought we were with Bible John and then we had a discussion about how much we love doing the podcast so here are our thoughts on Bible John and our ending thoughts about the series of the podcast which I hope you enjoy as much as we enjoyed making it. So this is our this is our last episode for for the time being on Bible John. I mean, we could always come and revisit if we find any more information, or we can do like a bonus episode if we if we find the exact location of the slipway. What's your thoughts when you look in the water and think McGee might be in there? Yeah, I've I've got little doubt that in fact there's a treasure trove of vehicles under the water here. There's no doubt this was a dropping off point from, you know, all the Glasgow crimes. McGeeky's last journey was him thinking he was going for a drive and they were dro- dropping a car off. He hadn't realised that he was to be part of the whole consignment that was going under the waves. And what's your final thoughts on Bible John and the whole case? And since you've read so much about this, for the making of the podcast, like what what's changed in your in your opinion and your mindset? Very little. I mean, I was never of the opinion it was one person who walked about quoting the Bible and who, ironically, ended up going to the Barrowland to meet women. I think that Bible John was an invention. It was a press invention, and I don't think that um, there was one person who acted the way the press said it and I'm coming more to the conclusion that the police felt the same way but they just couldn't say anything because the press were doing them a favour in respect that they kept it in the public mind I I didn't know as much about it as you coming into it and I mean I'd heard all the stories and and in my head, I was thinking three women that got picked up at the Barrowlands and they were all menstruating at the time and they were all strangled. And it's just, there's too many coincidences there to be like separate murderers. But now, after we've gone through everything and now like, we know not all three potentially were picked up at the Barrowlands. And I, I just... Now I just feel angry. I feel like the police really let these women down and their families down because they just jumped on this stupid bandwagon and ran with something because the press ran with it. I think I definitely don't think it was one person that committed all three. I definitely think, after talking to you about it, that it's not one guy walking about quoting from the Bible with ginger hair that's six foot two and squinty teeth and all that I mean somebody of that description might have committed one murder but that doesn't mean they committed all of the murders so if anything I think it's given me even less faith in policing in that time but it's also given me a, a deep rage that women were treated so badly in the past that they didn't do this properly yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that. Um, I think the the police themselves um, tried their best for the time, and had we had the 
advent of DNA uh, round about that time, things would have been entirely different. But of course, we can't turn the clock back and there is no way we can actually prove that there was um, you know, a person called Bible John or um, that who individually was responsible for the murders. But it's one of those cases that's never going to go away because people are still intrigued and I think that's because they never actually caught anybody called Bible John um, or called anything John although all the guys that went to the Barland were called John It it infuriates me though because there's there's never going to be a resolution to this the only way that they're ever going to find any of the murderers for any of these crimes is if somebody walks in and says I did this and here's the things that I stole from these women that, that's the only way they'd ever actually convict there's no no justice is going to come for these women now I'm, I'm absolutely set of that mindset knowing how little notes that the police have still on this knowing that the DNA seems to be like a, a bit of a washout and knowing that they just had such little information about like where Pat Docker was that evening when she went missing. I mean, just everything about it was just a complete mess. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I, um, I don't think there will be a resolution now. Not unless somebody who's passed away leaves clues in their house um, because let's face it Bible John um, is probably not with us any longer nor indeed the genuine murders, murderers of the ladies concerned Yeah someone would need to like confess on their deathbed because there's just no other evidence I'm really proud of us for doing a whole podcast series. Yeah, well done. It's your idea. <laughs> yeah, but we did it together. Uh-huh. I mean, you think about when we started this. Mum was still alive and she was really sick, but she was she was so excited that we were doing this. And uh-huh. she talked about it a lot, like in our final days, that we were working on this and what her ideas were for who Bible John might be and all that kind of thing. I'm, I'm really sad she didn't get to hear it, but I feel really proud of us because we went and did a thing we've never done before. We learned how, how to do it, how to work the equipment. We put together a story. We put together all the episodes. And I, I know it wasn't perfect, but we we actually accomplished this together. We didn't fall out. There's, there's just a lot to be happy about with that situation. I totally agree, but I have to correct you in one point. Um, you said something about we well, managed to work the equipment together. I, mean, I, I had absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with that. <laughs> I remember when you, at the start you used to put the headphones on the wrong way down. <laughs> I thought you were going to make that public. I'm not. <laughs> but yeah, my only my only thing is I wish I wish Mum got to hear it because she would have been. I know she'd have been really proud of us for yeah, yeah, accomplishing yeah. something. And she would have been our biggest fan. Yeah, yeah, she would have been. I mean, she would have probably started some anonymous email addresses to 
send us <laughs> abuse for what, why she thought we were going wrong, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I hope I hope if there is an if there's an afterlife, I hope she's got to she's got to listen and see that we did it. <laughs> So that's the end of the podcast series. Thank you so much for listening and being part of our journey with us. There will be additional bonus episode coming out with more information about the Howard Wilson gang that Archie McGeehy was involved with. There will be also follow-up um, episodes if there's any more information we can get about the slipway or any new information that comes out about Bible John. As we've said previously, the next series will be based around Robert Black, the serial killer um, and hopefully that will be available in the next few weeks So thank you again for listening and I hope you enjoyed. If you like our podcast, then please like and share with your friends. We would love to hear your feedback and ideas on Twitter at Murder Scotland. If you'd like any more information on our sources or Alan's books, you can find us at www.murderscotland.com. Murder Scotland is written, presented and produced by Alan Nicholl. Presented, produced and edited by me, Julie Lamont. Our consulting producer is Paige Henderson. Music is called Moments by Adrian Walther. And a special thanks to Steve Garside and Miriam Watson for their unending support and patience with me and Alan. <laughs>